Good morning again. Man, good to be here. Hallelujah. That's right. All right. So for real. Hey, um, so I, I want to reiterate to you. I mean, if you're if you're new here, you might not know this. So we have these four things that we're going after as we're we're doing church in a in a more simplistic way is with the connect groups and. Uh, somebody asked me this morning, okay, so what's a connect group? What's a small group? Which is a great question because they both say group at the end, and they just have different words at the beginning, all right? So the connect group is something like the dinner club uh, that where you guys can go to get to know people, and basically what you're doing is you're hanging out, all right? Um, people are cooking dinner. You might decide to bring, you know, like somebody brings something, another person brings another thing, and you have this big dinner. You get together, you hang out. All right, it is a super fun time. It's super low-key, super low-pressure. And if you're thinking, man, I'd like to get to know people, this would be a great place for that to happen, are those dinner clubs. You can also sign up if you're not online. You can sign up. We have a sign-up sheet in the back that you can write your name on. That's fine, too. Uh, you know, we want, to, we want everybody to be able to participate. All right, we just don't want, uh, if you don't have tech, you need to leave Lakeland Vineyard. Okay, that's not the truth. Um, if you're not online and you're not okay with online signups and all that, we will always have a manual sign-up in the back for you uh, to do that. All right. Also, uh, so small groups. You mentioned small groups. And then LV Dinner Club. Okay, I want everybody to hear this. Sign-ups end on the 30th. Now, here's the deal. Katie Noter and Dan Noterer, but mainly Katie Noterer, put together these, I mean, if we're going to be real, put together these dinner clubs. And it's it's not this, like, huge, like, thing where you have to be part of a Mensa society to be able to put it together, but it ta- it's time-consuming, all right? So when somebody calls on the 31st and says, hey, we also want to be in there, it, it really jacks everything up, okay? Here's the picture I want you to get. Cruising on a bike. Someone throws a stick in your spokes, okay? That's kind of the picture, Okay, and so we don't want that. That ends up being a bad thing, okay? And so you've had plenty of time. You still have plenty of time till 30th. I believe that's a Monday uh, to sign up for those dinner clubs. Go online or do it here. Uh, You'll have this Sunday and next Sunday to do that. You have all of this week, but I really encourage you to do that, and that's one of our four things. Then small groups will be coming up. They're going to launch in March, all right? Sweet thing is we have six Dinner clubs, and we have, we're going to have seven uh, small groups, all right, that are going to be offered. They're going to be, what are small groups? Small groups are just, they're basically like Bible studies, all right, and they meet all over the place, all right, and they meet in people's homes. This is also a place where you can get to know people, but the key here is that we're studying the Word of God, we're studying about God, and we want to sharpen each other so that we can be more like Christ and more effectively bring, see change in our community, all right? So that's what we're going to be doing, okay? And that's just kind of an overview of what's going on. If you're a newcomer, uh, like I said, join us, like Rick said, join us today. Uh, There's plenty of food. If you signed up for that or if Rick called you and said, hey, you need to be there, okay, be there. Uh, It's super low-key. We're going to eat, and then I'm going to say, hey, I'm Andy. This is me. This is my beautiful wife, Jennifer. Mm, What's up, girl? Okay, so (laughs) anyways, all right. 
So, anyways, just be there. We want you. Here's the bottom line: get connected, get involved. All right, that's the deal. You know, some people might say, "Well, I don't feel connected." Well, get connected. Okay, I promise you, you will feel connected. All right. And so let's pray. God, thank you for this this moment, this time that we can spend together. Uh, we thank you that you want to do things in our lives. Um, God, would you just come and move in this place today? Uh, you're here. We thank you for the worship team. We thank you for um, week in, week out, that they bring us into your presence, God. And uh, we just thank you that you desire to use us, which is crazy because we're us. And uh, But you desire to use us. And so help us to be more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ask this a couple times. I'm going to ask it again. How many of you, and don't raise your hand, this is just a, like a reminder, how many of you have thought about that word, that word of the year, where you're going to say, okay, this is, uh, this is the word that I'm going to pray about, that I'm going to act on this year, all right? And my word is, so happens to be displayed up there right now, is move. Um, and, and what does that look like, and what does that involve? And, uh, you know, I told you Jen's word is soul. And so what does that look like how are we going to uh, see that and see that change in our life so be thinking about that no it's like no rush there's no time limit on it okay I just wanted to remind you about that wanted to ask you to last week this is just the teacher in me if I if I ask you to do something I'm going to ask you about it because I find like that works best uh, second Peter 1 3 through 11 uh, how did that go Good. Can we raise our hand if it was good? Okay. Uh, okay. I see, I see. Malo. Okay. Was it, how many of you, it was bad? Bad. I mean, I just, I'm, si- I'm like, I'm the one who assigned it, and I didn't do good at it. Okay. So if you're sitting out there and you're thinking, man, that guy's a loser. You know, in that department, I was, all right. Uh, I only did it a couple times. Uh, so I encourage you, it's cool, all right? Uh, I didn't go through the rest of the week thinking, I'm such a failure. I thought, okay, we'll get it next time and uh, we'll do it. So did anybody have anything significant while you're reading through that uh, happen? You did? Well, I'm going to bring it to you. All right, here we go. word that stood out for me in those verses is the word knowledge in my I have a new King James and I wondered about knowledge I want that more of God I want to know him better I want to know him in a deeper deeper way every day and that word appeared in those verses five times so I thought it was significant All right, one more here. Here we go. What's up? The thing that I thought was really cool is that all of those fruitful things that we're supposed to grow in, the faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, he has already given those to us to walk in. That To me, that stood out, that it's not something we don't have to, like, strive and strive to try to make all these things happen in our life. He has already given us all that we need to walk in those things. That's cool, all right? And so, you know, and you might be sitting here like, what are they talking about, 
okay? And, and the, basically the challenge is that we're going to read through passages, a shorter amount of Scripture, and then we're going to read through them. We're going to read through them out loud, and then we're, we're going to then apply our name uh, to where it fits in, all right? And so, and then we're going to ask God, God, what are, you, what are you doing? Anything that sticks out, do you just concentrate on that and you pray about it? That's what we're doing, all right? So next week, next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this now, all right? I did not print page five of my notes, which had it on there. All right. Let me go here. I want to make sure I give you, I'm going to go to my office. Hang with me. It's in Matthew for sure. But I want to make sure I'm giving you, sorry, guys, this is embarrassing. I'm sorry. It really, I mean, who does this? All right. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. I keep it strictly professional around here. All right. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Thanks. All right, Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Okay, it's going to talk about the most important commandment. All right, good stuff. So uh, we're going to continue on with our theme here. Uh, and one more time, I'll say that was Matthew uh, 20, 22, 36 through 40, Okay. We're going to continue on with our theme of MOVE this week, uh, and we'll continue on with that next week. We have missions conference that's coming up, uh, and that's going to be Missions Emphasis Month where we're going to have four different speakers in, um, and I think it's going to be uh, fantastic to see what's going on with some of the money that you are giving in order to support these uh, missionaries, uh, local and abroad. And so our theme this month has been MOVE. This series is called Move, and, and so to say move, I want to reiterate it means to set or keep into motion, to prompt, actuate, or impel to some action, uh, to advance or progress, all right? And so when we talk about move, well, where does that move come from? And, and I think all too often what we see is change, but change without progress, progress is really just shifting things around. All right, and so if we have no movement forward, we're changing, but we're not progressing. And I think that they have to go hand in hand in the kingdom. You don't just change and become a new person without progressing to a Christ likeness. And so what we want to talk about this morning is I want to use this word desperation. We have to move to a place of desperation. Now, desperation is often thought of in a negative term, right? And so if we look at it, the actual definition is feeling, showing, or involving a hopeless sense that a situation is so bad as to be impossible. Okay? How many of you guys have been in an impossible situation? What you thought was impossible? I think we all have. Ed, you're the only one that hasn't. Okay? Ed's like, no, not me. Okay? I know Sandra has. Um, now, here is the deal. <laughs> okay, I know Jen has too. Okay, so um, 
here is the deal, though. That feeling is okay because I think desperation is a waking up to we are in a bad situation without Christ. We really are in a hopeless situation without Christ. And it doesn't matter how much change is going on in our life and how good things may be, we're not making any progress towards our destiny if it is not with Christ at the center. And so I think the word to be desperate or or desperate means it's an urgent need or desire. See, we have to be in a place of desperation, and I think that's a point of realization, actually. All right, I know for me, uh, in my own life, it, it happened for me when I was a junior in high school, all right, I moved, uh, I didn't, my family moved um, to Virginia from Florida between my sophomore year and my junior year. So that summer, I also grew five inches, but that's beside the point. Um, yeah, crazy. And so, but I realized in this move and in this time that I started in Virginia, that I was in a desperate place because I came to the realization how self-absorbed and trying to be self-sufficient I was. See, when, when I looked at it, I relied so much on myself and what others thought of me that they became my foundation. And that realization hit me. I mean, it hit me hard like a sock full of pennies. You ever think about that? A sock full of pennies. I don't care if it's just a footy. That's going to hurt, okay? But it hit you hard. And so, you see, I was the cool kid. Well, let me say this. I thought like every kid that I was the cool kid. When you look back on your life, you're like, I was such a dork. Like, I was such, I mean, I know I was, okay? I thought I was awesome, um, and everything was about myself and what I wanted. My dad would always say the same to me, and I hated it. Hated it. The choices you make affect other people or affect those around you. And I'm like, it's so stupid. What kind of words are those? As a teenager, I mean, that was my attitude. <laughs> Seriously? My choices affect other people? I don't buy that. All right? Uh, one of those things that I hated at the time, but then I look back on it, I'm like, dude, that was really wise. Because my decisions and the choices I make do affect people. And I don't want to over-dramatize this, okay, because I have four girls. I don't need any more drama in my life. It's like this, though. Um, It's like this, though. Think about it. If my choices are affecting positively people or they are affecting negatively people's lives, You are, in effect, no matter how much responsibility you don't want to take or you do want to take, you are, in in fact, changing the world. So we have to understand that. We're we're like a, a stone in a pond. If I drop it, it's crazy, right? It's glass, and then I drop it, and what happens? The ripple effect of that goes out. And if we looked and we waited around for a second, we would see that the effect actually reaches the other side of the pond or the lake. And we think, well, just this one stone's not going to affect this entire body. Absolutely, it is. And so when we look at that, we say, man, then what I'm doing is big time. All right? The choices I make matter. And so when we come to this place, uh, one of the 
or God uh, was in this picture in my place in, in, in the summer of whatever that was, 95, I think. Uh, God was in the picture here. Now, I want you to set this up. My parents were like and are super awesome followers of Christ, all right? They were people and are people of integrity, all right? So I had this backdrop of goodness in my home, except I was rebelling against that goodness, all right? I was making choices that weren't uh, real wise. And, And so I would oftentimes, God was in the picture, but he was just like way down on the menu of things in my life. And so I didn't quite get it, you know. I didn't understand the picture. But then we moved, and it really changed everything. We moved up there to start or to plant a church. Uh, We look back on it, I think it was actually to save me from myself. Uh, And so I was not pleased with God. I remember getting up there, and I remember getting up to Virginia, and I remember laying down in my parents' bedroom on the floor and just weeping because I was, a, I was away from everything that I knew. The foundation that I knew that I had built had been swept underneath my feet. The foundation, in fact, was with my friends and myself in Florida, and that foundation was gone. And so I was at a point as a, as a what, 16-year-old kid, I was at a point of desperation. I didn't know what was going on. And so how could you do this to me, God? That's how wrapped up in myself I was. How could you do this to me? All right, because if you guys haven't realized, teenagers' worlds and kids' worlds are immediately what's happening right now, Okay. Very few times are they like, you know, I'm looking forward to 20 years. This situation doesn't affect me. My friends, what they think of me has no bearing whatsoever. I am just laser focused. Okay, their laser is like this big. I am laser focused on two minutes from now. All right. And what happened yesterday, I don't even know what happened yesterday. All right. And so, but... That energy, too, though, that they have is, like, crazy, all right? Because you look at what they can do, and then if God gets a hold of that, or if they allow God to get a hold of that, and they can get a little bit further out in their vision, and they can come to an understanding of, man, the decisions I make do affect people. Now, I say that about teenagers. What about us as, as adults? How many of us have future-looking stuff going on? Are we like, right now, this is what matters. I'm stuck in a pile of poo, and this is just horrible, without saying, you know what, though? The Creator has me. Okay? And so I was uh, defeated. I really was at that point, and, and I, I was there on my back. And, and where, I, where I realized it was there that God had to do something, that God needed to be the center of what I was doing. And in that desperate moment, I would find that a foundation is a foundation in Christ, and it's the only one that will last. And so I think everyone here at some level has been there before. I think we can all relate to this, and some of you have crazy stories, all right? 
about how God has restored your life. And some of you have stories that don't seem so downright insane. And that's okay too. All right? And so I'm sure with you they, they felt crazy, really crazy as you navigated through that portion of your life though. All right? Craziness is, is relative to the person, right? Okay? So to a person that has got a cut from here to here, okay, and they, get a, they cut their hand up and they're like, oh, that's unfortunate. Okay, but a person that's never had a cut before and they cut their hand up and they're like, what the heck? You know, there's blood streaming down. That's extreme to them. All right? And so um, maybe right now you're at the intersection of crazy and chaos in your life. Right here today, you're thinking, man, what in the world is going on in my life? Nothing makes sense. I'm trying to make sense of this. Maybe you feel this feeling that God has abandoned you. Maybe you feel that God doesn't even care about you right now where you are. And the, the biggest relief that my dad said to me when he looked at me and he goes, and I said, I, I'm just not happy right now. He goes, are you mad at God? And I said, yeah, I am. He goes, that's okay. Just talk to him about it. That was a weight off my shoulders because, hold on, I can be mad at God? Like, that's okay? And he said, yeah, just talk to him about it, though. And so God, he, he's not caught off guard by your situation. He's not caught off guard by what's going on in your life. This isn't a surprise to him. He doesn't think, oh, man, how did that happen? He's got you in the palm of his hand. And so really when we're in these situations and we're confronted with what we really believe about God and we're really confronted about, okay, God, will you carry me through this? And so the question comes into full play. Who do we trust in the desperate times where we need to see something happen? So let me say it like this. I believe that we have to take a bird's eye view of our desperate state. Okay, what does that look like without Christ? What does our state look like without Christ? So we have to then do this incredibly difficult thing. We have to then look in introspectively and we have to say, where am I not like Jesus? So we talked about this earlier in the week, was this. It's not that someone made you angry. It's that the anger that you have inside of you came out when a person pushed your button. And we have to say, we have to go introspectively, okay, where am I then not like Christ? At the end of the day, can we look and we can say, what is going on in my life? Where am I not in Christ-likeness? In my reactions, in my responses, where am I not like Christ? And so when we look at this, it's very difficult to do that because here's what we like to do. We like to push the positive. We like to say, man, I, I'm, just, I'm great at this, I'm great at this, I'm great at this, I'm wonderful at this. But what about the places that are dark and hidden that we don't want to deal with because it's too uncomfortable? And we talked about that last week. 
Those are the places of desperation that we, the very places that we have to deal with. If we want to see progression through change, then we have to deal with those and we have to be willing to change for the sake of progress in Christ. I have to lay down my life so that I can be more like Christ. And laying down and taking up my cross, you know what that involves? That involves me laying down my life. That involves me laying down every part of my life, the good parts and the bad parts. It's imperative that we get real with people that are around us. Now, you don't have to go on Facebook and share everything that's going on in your life, but if, what if you got with one person and said, dude, these are my deepest, darkest secrets, and I need you to hold me accountable to them. We don't like to talk about that stuff, though, do we? Why? Because we fear what people might react and we fear, like, how in the world can he be a Christian and be struggling with this? How could she be doing this? I mean, what is going on? But if we approach it with mercy and grace, then we understand that we're in the same situation. We're just struggling with something else. And so are we desperate enough to come to the realization that we are in a desperate state without Christ? See, we can push things to the back burner, but here, here's what I've discovered on the back burner of a stove. If I push the sauce that's just boiling and I push it to the back burner, it didn't clear up any space on the stove. It's still there. We're just not dealing with it, right? And so we've got to bring stuff to the forefront. See, we want to we clear stuff out. Guess what you got to do? You got to deal with that. You got to give that up so that you can clear up room for God to come in and move. And so he is willing to deal with the stuff that you push to the back burner. He says, no, why don't we deal with that? Well, God, I'm not like you in that area. Yeah, no kidding. I didn't, I didn't know that. All right? Think about the most foolish thing we could ever do. If we say, okay, God, you are, you are everywhere. You know everything. Omnipresent, omniscient. Okay? Omniscient. Okay? You're everywhere and you know everything. I'm going to hide something from you. Not, we think, well, he did ask where Adam and Eve, where are you? He knew. Come on. He's the worst at playing hide-and-seek, right? He's like what you did when your kids were younger, or if you've ever played with kids hide-and-seek, and they're right there, like, sitting on the chair. Where are you? I can't find you. You know, you're like, if someone saw that played out in real life, they're like, what's going on? Well, they're right there, Okay. So God knows where we're at. So to hide, hide something from God, to be ashamed, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Okay? God's desire is that we bring that stuff, that bitterness, that brokenness, that unforgiveness to the forefront, and we say, I want to deal with this so that I can be more like you. And so... We push things to the back, 
But see, we have to come to this realization that our situation separate of Christ is grave, it is serious, it is critical, it is risky, it is awful, it is dreadful, it is urgent, and it is pressing. It is desperate. And we must come to the consciousness that we literally are walking through life aimlessly without Christ. And that's got to press on us, and not in a guilt-ridden way. It's got to, we've got to come to the realization, wow, like without Christ, well, my friend is a millionaire, and he doesn't have Christ. He's not desperate. Yes, he is. He is desperate. Take the million dollars away. What does he have left? Okay? Well, my friend is happy, and they, they're, uh, they're poverty-stricken. Take anything away from them. What is left? The foundation. It doesn't matter if you're the richest person or the poorest person. If you don't have Christ, you are missing out on the destiny of your life. So we have to come to this realization. In this realization, then we're forced to make a decision. Some would call it this, a crisis of belief. I believe that was Henry Blackaby in Experiencing God. They come to a crisis. You come and I've come to a crisis of belief. What do I believe in this situation and where do I stand? And so we have to come to this. Are we going to follow Christ and trust in Christ, or are we not? Are we going to try to hold the wall up as the 190-mile-per-hour wind is pushing against it? Or are we going to say, I really can't do this, God. You've got you've to hold this up. So many times we try to support ourselves with what we do and what we can do and the, the power that we hold without realizing that the power that we hold is the only thing that we have that comes from God. See, we are powerless without the Spirit of God in our lives. And so, just a reminder to you and me, there's no gray area either. It's either you're in or you're out. Rick and I talked about this and the realization that this, to say I'm stagnant, with God is just a false comfort. My relationship just isn't moving forward. Guess where it's moving? Backwards. Okay? And so I just, I can't spend time with God. Okay, you can't spend any time with God. Okay? Ellie, come here real quick. Don't be embarrassed. It's fine. You're the pastor's kid. You get to be used in examples. This is Ellie. She's growing. Um, Even as we speak. Okay, so, Ellie, do you find that you do better on test when you study or not study? Study. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Very pressing, difficult question there. All right. How many of us have been in that situation? We have a test coming up, and I did better when I studied. Okay, now, here, the, kid that, or the kid or the student that says, I'm telling you, I do better when I don't study. 
Okay, that kid went in one time and aced a test that they didn't study for, and they're like, that, that sets the standard. Now, the other times that I went in, the other 85 times that I failed this test that I didn't study for, remember what we talked about? Right here, right now. I got an A. I don't need to study anymore. That's the conclusion. That's silly, all right? I would use another word, but I don't want to offend. I don't want to say that's stupid, okay? All right, so, so either you're in or you're out. Uh, and just like me, as a 17-year-old or 16-year-old kid, my eyes were open to the realization that through desperate situations, I could find restoration in Christ. And so in the early church, we see desperate people. Uh, they were in urgent need of the presence of God. They were eager for more of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and they were going to do it at the cost of their lives. And they were hungry for Christ. So join me real quick in Acts 4. That's Acts chapter 4. We're going to have it up here on the screen. Yeah, getting fancy. That's what we do. All right. We're in Acts chapter 4. And before we start reading, can I just go ahead and relieve people of the romantic idea of Acts? Okay. This, this, this person that would say, we just need to get back to the church of Acts. What? We, yeah, because we read that one section where they shared everything. Right? They, they, they saw each other's needs and, and they shared everything. We, just, we need to get back to that place. Okay, I'll, I mean, I'll take that portion of it. I'll take that, that, that snippet of it. Uh, what about the other part where they were in disagreement? You know, in chapter 6 where they had to appoint people and they had to say, dude, you guys got to deal with this. Like, this stuff is Hebrew, Greek, okay, like, deal. All right, disagreements are going on. You know, what about the point there where, you, uh, where Stephen was stoned for his beliefs? You want to get that, back to that point of Acts? Yeah, the church was pressed at the time. And we, we try to make Acts this romantic thing like this is something to strive for. Right? Let me, let me just tell you this. We're people of the future. <laughs> we can't go back in time and say, I just wish it was like it was. You know? I just look, wish it was like it was in the 80s where we could just build a church and the people would come. Okay? That doesn't happen. All right? And so if we look at this going on here, persecution was an expected part of this church. Persecuted, if you said you were a follower of Christ, it was then expected that you would then be persecuted. All right? That was an expectation on the sign-up. Now, I wonder in this room, and I wonder if I could even sign the paper, is, hey, you're going to be persecuted, for sure, possibly killed. Sign up to follow Christ today. That line looks a lot shorter than sign up to follow Christ and you'll be a millionaire. All right? And so, but we have to deal with the reality of what the gospel message is. Jesus came in humility. Here we have um, Peter and John who in the previous chapter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, healed a crippled man. That was crippled for 40 years. And, and, and we proceed, they proceed then to give this somewhat scathing testimony about Christ to the, to the people that were there. He's like, don't worry about it. I know you crucified him out of ignorance. It's okay. There's mercy. There's grace. 
But it is through Christ Jesus that this man was healed. And so we join him in chapter 4 now. The, pre, the high priests walk in, priests walk in, the captain of the guard walks in, the Sadducees who were really disturbed because he was preaching about the power of the resurrected Christ and they didn't even believe in the resurrection. And they were like, hold on, you're giving more credit over here to the Pharisees, okay? They believe in that stuff. We don't, all right? And so they walk in, they're highly disturbed. What are you doing talking about Jesus? Now, you got to remember that they're jailed, right? So this is the first jailing that we see in the, in the early church. And, and then the next day, they come before the council. Now, this is the council that saw Christ. Does everybody get this? And so you, they say in here, they have their Caiaphas is there. We're in verse 5 and 6 right now, guys. Uh, Annas, who was the former high priest, and Caiaphas, who's his son-in-law, who's the now high priest, and John and Alexander, and the relatives of the high priest. Everybody's there, and they want to know, by what power did you do this? And he simply says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today. Are we being questioned today because... We've done a good deed for a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in Scripture, the corner or the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone or the capstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has been given no other name. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. He says this. So he says, you really want to know? Here it is. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't, he wasn't egotistically bringing the word. It was the spirit in him that was speaking through him that said, you want to know who it is? It's Jesus Christ, the one that you crucified, the one that in the ancient times was predicted as the cornerstone that you would reject. He's the one. He's the fulfillment of all of this scripture. No, the Messiah didn't show up. He wasn't a great king like you thought he was going to be. He didn't elevate Israel to the place that you thought it should be. But you have rejected the one that, in fact, came to save you. And so when he says this, they're not pleased. Okay, now mind you, there's a whole thing going on here why they're not pleased. Before they arrested him, it says that there were 5,000 people in the church now. And we might say something like this because it makes us feel better. Numbers don't matter. It just, it doesn't matter, numbers. We can't focus on them. You're right and you're wrong. If I make that statement, I'm right and I'm wrong. Are my eyes on Christ? Numbers matter. Numbers represent people that are impacted to be more like Christ. They matter. Now, if it's the only thing that matters, then that's stupid, okay? Hey, we're giving away a car or an iPad every week. Come and make, join in. What? Stop. This church isn't a circus. All right? 
But if we're really, if we're saying, no, God, numbers matter because these are people that don't know you, and we want to introduce them to the living God, the cornerstone that's been rejected, and guess what? He's still being rejected today. And sometimes in our own lives, he's being rejected. So the number doesn't reflect the health of the meeting. Understand that. The number just says this. We want more people. And it ain't to join LV dinner clubs. Our goal is 14 dinner clubs. We don't care about the spiritual health of anyone. We just want to get to that goal. Okay, that's silly. That's no one's heart here, I hope. All right? And Katie and Dan are like, that's a lot of organization. Uh, let's keep it around six, okay? But, man, but seriously. So they come in, and, and so he gives this. Now, they're obviously put off by his statement, but at the same time they're saying, who are these guys? How did they just deliver that to us? How in the world did they defend themselves? What do they call somebody in court that tries to defend themselves today? A fool, right? Think about all the legalese that we have, and I'd like to represent myself. You can automatically kind of put that in the you're going to lose box. And so they're like, what is the, what's going on here? These are just regular people. Here's the key, though. They didn't recognize that they, yeah, in fact, by the world and culturally standard at the time, they were unfit to address the council. They didn't recognize that they spent years with Christ. Hello? Master's degree? Yeah. Their doctorate probably, right? In Christology, all right? And so here's the deal. They knew Christ. They spent time with Jesus. They learned from him. All right, the council is at a loss of what to do. They, they dismiss him for a second, and they decide, listen. They bring him back in. They say, listen, because they knew if they did something, there was going to be a riot on their hands, all right, because you couldn't deny what happened. The guy's standing right there. A beggar of 40 years of being crippled is standing right there. It wasn't like I have this story to tell you about what happened. I don't know where the guy went. He's standing. Okay, so they said, well, riot's going to start if we don't do so, if we do something. You need to stop spreading your propaganda. You need to stop it right now. And so the reply goes, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council threatens them further but they're going to go on quickly. They move to their, there was not a watered-down message here. Do you understand that? There was not a watered-down message. It was as a matter of fact. And I think what we try to do is, is we do this. We try to change in the church to be relevant, but we're making no progress. Well, yeah, that's acceptable, that's okay. If you get drunk, it's okay. If you drink in excess, if you're addicted to pornography, it's just the way you are. 
you know, abortion, I mean, I see your point. I see where it's okay. You know, gay, lesbian, I see where it's okay. And we try to soften the message. Now, here is where we're at fault too. Sometimes we're so hard-lined and incompassionate when it comes to those things that we forget these are people that we're dealing with. Created in the image of God. Just like you and I. And so how do we handle these hot topic things? Well, here, let me, let me point out just some ways, okay? Because we are obligated to speak the truth of the gospel and not to compromise the gospel, right? But we're obligated, too, to show mercy and grace. How do those two go hand in hand, all right? Let's not make, and this is what I, this thought came to me. When we talk to people about Jesus, we're talking about things that are eternal. I cannot fit eternal things into a nice box of relevant today. And so we're talking about things that are, that, are, that are future, that have been written. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can't possibly make that relevant for today. And so what do we do? Well, we have, we have an obligation to present the full gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what we don't want to do, because we live in a political correct age. I don't want to offend anybody. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. I can imagine that the council is like, oh, okay, we got it. We feel you. No, they threatened them further. So here's what we're obligated to do. Pray. Stay involved in the church community. You guys can write these down if you want to. Stay involved in the church community. It should be a place where we are challenged to be more like Christ. If you're here for a country club, bye. There's one down by the lake, the yacht club. Now, don't take a boat down there too big. I don't, yacht won't fit in there, but... Go join that, okay? Stay involved in the church community. Involved. That means participating in what's going on here. Stay near to the Spirit of Christ. How can you be at work for Christ when you refuse to get to know the one who's doing the work? I want to do an apprenticeship with a blacksmith. I don't want to do any of the work, though. How's that looking? Man, that first thing you make is going to be jacked. And the second thing and the third thing because you're refusing to take the knowledge that they have and use it. Spend time with Jesus. I don't have time, lies. Let me tell you something. You don't have time not to spend time with Jesus. If the hearts, if your heart's desire, my heart's desire is to say, I want to be more like Christ, then guess what? I've got to spend time with him. There's no way. You know how they made these bold statements? Peter and John made these statements. Do you think 
that you that God wants us to obey you is because they spent time with Christ. And they said, no, what we see is far greater than what you have a knowledge of. Stay loyal to God. H.G. Wells said this, the trouble with so many people is the voice of their neighbors sounds louder in their ears than the voice of God. Let me put it this way. The voice of the people on your Twitter feed sound louder than the people than the voice of God. The, the voice of your Facebook scroll sounds louder than the voice of God. The voice of what you see on Snapchat, the voice of what you're viewing on Instagram, the voice of social media, the voice of CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or whoever you listen to speaks louder than it does the voice of God. We're ruined under this new president. We were ruined for 45 presidents before without Christ. So what do we do? We jump in the game as Christians. Oh, there's no hope. What? Stop. And I just want to say this. If President Trump's your God, you're messed up. And if your God just left office, you just messed up too. And if the 43rd was your God or the 42nd or the 41st, or you look back, why can't things be like when Abraham Lincoln was in office? My pits are sweating right now. I can't take the wool. I mean, let's be serious. We just need another George Washington. Really? Really? We are talking about flawed people, yet we are raising them to the point of gods. That's called idolatry. And it doesn't matter because here's, well, I'm not idolizing Trump. Yes, you are because you're saying that we're ruined because of him. You are making him an idol. You are also making him an idol if you're like, he's going to save the U.S. That's called idolatry. Either way, you are making him more than he is. He's a dude. You know what we need to do for him just like we did for Barack Obama? We need to pray. God, would you guide this? Would you guide Trump? Would you guide this country? Okay. Would you guide me not to get in these tiffs with people? Not your friend anymore. I encourage you, be their friend. Get the whole side. I want to come to an under, I just, I can't understand why they believe that. Unfriend, I'm not looking at you anymore. Wow, you don't want to understand then. You know, you think differently than me, get out of here. All right, it's no good. All right, but here I encourage you this. Don't let, your, don't let your neighbor's voice become louder than the voice of God. And then we have to have confidence in the gospel itself. We have to have confidence that these are historical events that happened, that were written about by men of God, and that were recorded for us to read so that something 2,000 years ago could change our lives right now. Verse 30 hits me when it says, 
in Acts 4, verse 30, it says, Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We're going to look at that next week. This wasn't going to be a two-part part series, all right? But this is, we're going to look at that and the connection of how, to, how does that connect to way back in the day what was written in Scripture. And I want to, we're going to hone in on that little part that says stretch out your hand because we're going to talk about the hand of God and how it's going to move and how it's been moving and how through God we see change and progression, not just shifting. We see change and we see progression. And so I want to, um, everybody got that Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Remember, contemplative reading, what does that mean? It just means that you're slowing down. You're not reading, you're not doing a reading sprint. You're doing a reading slowdown. All right? And so I encourage you to do that this week. We're going to come back uh, next week. We're going to ask, how did that go? All right? Uh, and this week, Acts 4, be challenged by it. I really want you to be challenged by it. All right? We are, I get so excited when I, when I turn on the news and I see all the turmoil. I get pumped. People are thinking, you're sick. Okay? Here's why I get excited. Because I look where major explosions in the church happen is under something called turmoil. See, everyone is looking for an answer right now. And if you're a follower of Christ, you have the answer. See, like in times of just, oh, everything's great. I don't need an answer. I have my answer. It's in my salary. It's in my car. It's in my house. I don't need an answer. But when, when there's this grinding of the gears is when our voices should be the loudest about delivering the truth and the message of Christ. I invite you to come with me on a journey of desperation. Desperation for Christ to move. If we're not desperate, it's not going to happen. And so I encourage you, come with me on that journey. As Lakeland Vineyard... What's going to happen through a people that are desperate for the Father to move? Pray with me. God, thank you for this time. You're so good. You're so good that in, in our desperate situation, you came to restore us. And God, it's a process. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you for that, that it's new every morning and that you love us so much and that you care for us right where we are. So, Father, we, we, as we go out this week, have your way in our lives. Help us to spend time with you. Help us to get to know you. Help us to, to, to make it our heart's desire, God, to, to turn our hearts away from evil and towards you that we could pursue you more. And, God, all that that means giving up our unlikeness that we are to you and allowing you to make us more like you for the sake of others. 
Your name is holy. Your name is mighty. Your name is majestic. You are beautiful. And as we go out these doors, would you help us to look at people as your creation and not an object for us to just try to twist into mold, but in a, a people that you created that need to know you. Open up our eyes, expand our vision that we could be more like you and that it's not about us at all. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you, the guys are going to play some tunes here. I encourage you in this. If you need any type of ministry, you're struggling emotionally, physically, financially, it doesn't matter, okay? I'm going to reiterate this. This is, there's not, you know, you don't walk past these chairs and all of a sudden everything's okay. You walk past these chairs, though, with the realization, I am in a desperate spot without Christ. And I'm in a desperate spot right now in my own life. And I need God to come and intervene. Or you might be saying, you know what, I want to be used by Christ more. And that's cool. Come up. There is nothing just, you know, that's just going to happen here. The Holy Spirit's going to move. That's what's going to happen. There's nothing significant about this area. And that might be the most fearful 49-foot walk that you've ever made in your life, but I encourage you to do it. And if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ and you're thinking, what is this all about? I'd, I'd like to know more about Jesus. Come up here. There's going to be people that are here that can answer the questions. And if they don't have the answer, guess what? We will find the answer for you. I promise you that. All right? Before you guys leave, fill out those communication cards or the connect cards. You can also put the, your offering that we'll receive. That's back in those two churches back there. Just slide them in there. Other than that, have a great week. I do encourage you, if you need ministry, to come up now. But other than that, have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Newcomers lunch right after service here.